0: Hello, Canada. Today's date is June 18th, 2023. Happy Father's Day, Canada. It is Tony in Saskatchewan.
1: And Lewis out here in BC.
0: Happy Father's Day to you, sir. Any plans for the day?
1: Uh, I don't know. I am assuming so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't plan my own Father's Day. so. Uh, but no, I, I believe we're going out for brunch and I think there's some other some other small things that they've planned for me, but, uh, yeah. Happy father's day to you too. Well, thank you. I'm, uh,
0: looking forward to it. I actually do know what's going on. My wife actually booked a, a brunch riverboat cruise. My son and I are going on because he doesn't start work till later in the day. So we actually get to do a little father son brunch and then, uh, go our separate ways for, to, if I can get home and do yard work. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, couple housekeeping items to start, Canada. Number one is Father's Day. Notice how in this society we've got a feminist prime minister who, for some reason, has done the best they can as a government to diminish motherhood, diminish women, and yet we can still say Happy Father's Day without having to say it is Happy Impregnating Person's Day or Happy, you know adult male who happens to have kids day we can just be fathers i think that's uh it's kind of ironic for a prime minister who claims to be a feminist who's uh well left men alone
1: in that way yeah it's um obviously we could go on and on and on and on about this issue but (laughs) it's uh it's as if It's as if we're going, uh, we're turning the clock back to the 1950s. Um, how it's almost like the patriarchy is returning with a vengeance and, but in a different way in that we're taking over women as well. And it's, and and none of this is being done, you know, purposefully by, by men, like, I mean, aside from the men who are pretending to be women, who take over women's sports or, uh, you know, take over women's spokesperson's jobs and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's aside from those men most men are just we're not even part of this we're not we're not doing anything to encourage it in fact we're doing everything we can to protect women in this like i I find it hilarious that it's actually men who are protecting female institutions during this time that women are sabotaging themselves by supporting these you know men who are pretending to be women to win in women's sports and it's women it's men that are the ones going this is wrong and the women are going you're just sexist (laughs) (laughs) it blows my mind i don't understand what's going on
0: yeah well that's a good point (laughs) And one other housekeeping note, we talked about Canada is dying on our last couple of shows. And they were, well, the show was somewhat censored on YouTube, there is all sorts of graphic violence warnings and language warnings, and it doesn't come up in your feed unless you actively look for it. Well, Lewis, you just told me before the show started that Aaron Gunn released Canada is dying on Twitter. And Holy crap! this numbers are already almost exceeding YouTube.
1: Yeah, he um, because YouTube was throttling it, right? Like the you know, like unless you actually type in "Canada is dying," it will not come up in your feed. It's uh, they've put all kinds of warning labels on it and and all of this. Uh, so what he did. Um, because the number of views dropped off precipitously as soon as YouTube started doing that. Uh, he released it on Twitter Spaces, um, and in 24 hours had a million views. Wow. Which was better than YouTube's numbers in the first 24 hours. Yeah,
0: well, up to the point when YouTube began to censor it, it was 1.2 million views. So, um yeah.
1: That's amazing. Twitter's almost caught up in 24 hours. Yeah, no, so it's fantastic. And uh, like I said before, um, and you said before, please watch that documentary. It is one of the most important documentaries a Canadian can watch right now. It is uh, It's horrifying. Uh, but it is necessary because Canada is dying. Uh, the Canada we knew is dying. And this documentary lays out why and how we solve it. Uh, that's a difference between a lot of documentaries I notice and, and the documentaries that Aaron Gunn makes. is that Aaron Gunn actually provides solutions.
0: Yep, that's true. And actually, when we interviewed him in December about Vancouver is dying, that was one thing we talked about, too, is, okay, yeah, what do we do now? And, yeah, he has, you know, ideas. may not be the answer, but at least he has ideas that can help. And um, so hopefully we can get him on the show again for Canada is Dying. We have reached out, and we've actually been corresponding back and forth. So I'm hoping that we'll, uh, we'll get him on the show in the near future. So, okay Canada, we've got a good show for you today. So, on the show today, four by-elections coming up tomorrow, residential school deniers, they knew all along 16 billion dollars for Volkswagen and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Uh,
1: well, let's let's start with um Let's start with the residential school deniers.
0: Yeah, okay, Canada. So last week on the show, uh, I mentioned that whenever there's some bad news slash uncomfortable news slash news that the Laurentian elites, government media don't want you to know, they will release that on a Friday afternoon, usually four thirty five 5 o'clock Eastern time when everybody's going home for the weekend or heading off to cottage country, et cetera, et cetera, so that the story will just simply die over the course of the weekend and nobody pays attention. Well, Lewis, I missed it, but you found that very story that was released Friday night and what a bombshell. We are now considered to be residential school deniers.
1: Yeah. Um, so Kimberly Murray, uh, she was the, um, I don't know. It, okay. It's funny how they always have a different name for. Uh, interlocutor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> stupid names for stupid jobs. Um, <laughs> so Kimberly Murray was the uh, I, interlocutor, whatever. I don't know. Special
0: interlocutor, not just an average interlocutor. She was a special tour to yeah. look into the uh, residential schools question
1: so so we got special interlocutor here we got special rapporteur <laughs> over there um oh my god justin trudeau and his his love of weird names um yep so anyway kimberly murray she had written a re- a, a report uh detailing The backlash to the uh, residential school unmarked graves across the country revelations from the past couple of years. Um, Her report uh, was reported on by Global News uh, late on Friday. And um, it's, uh, it's actually a little disturbing the kinds of things that she's recommending, the things that she's saying in her report. Uh, Such as uh, anybody who denies these um, unmarked graves are now uh, bigots and uh, racists. Uh, If you verbally say, like, if you say that those Ground-penetrating radar uh, results are inconclusive. That is violence. It actually says that in the report that that is violence. Like she says that that the violence occurring, and I was like, violence? What violence is she talking about? I can't believe that there's people that are actually going out and attacking people over this. And she and she goes on to describe it. And it's exactly what we did on the show.
0: Well, and I'll actually quote the, the the report right here. The violence is prolific, she says. It is through email, social media, telephone, op-eds, and at times, in-person confrontation. Um, since when is an email violence? Social media posts are violence? Um, op-eds are violence? In-person confrontation? Well, possibly, but... Is it violence if you're just having a discussion or an argument? I mean, um, yeah. So not only have we as uh, podcast hosts had a ton of violence sent our way, I guess apparently uh, even questioning is
1: violence now. Well, here's the thing. There is, I, I have not heard a single report, not one single report from the past two years that someone has violently confronted a First Nations person over this. Not one. If there had been, that would have been front page news. It would have been the top story because, it was, because it's to do with racism. Like racism tops all other stories. And so if it had actually happened, that would have been the premier story in the country. And I have heard zero about any kind of physical altercation or any kind of actual violence uh, towards any first nations people over this issue that I've so she's a liar.
0: No, that's a good point. And then uh, as you were saying that, that just popped in my head that 29 Catholic churches have been burned down in the past two years and no one's calling that violence in fact, uh, you even hear government officials in the Trudeau government saying it's understandable that these churches yeah. are being burned down. Well, um, I don't know. I I'd say uh, arson is violence against the building you're burning down at the very least.
1: Yeah, at the very <laughs> that is actual violence. Actual um, violence. <laughs> yeah. So, but but the interesting part about this article is that it goes on and on and on. It's a long article, by the way. It goes on and on and on about all of the, uh, about, you know, how dare anybody deny or question the results of the ground-penetrating radar. It's an exact science, yada, yada, yada. There's lots of scientific, uh, 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 you know, experts that that can identify what is what from radar ground penetrating radar and all the 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 article goes on and on about how about how good it is right well
0: well it does and then it's funny that it actually circles back and makes you right
1: yeah yeah the last bit of the article of course it's always the last bit the part because they, they write these super long articles and hope that you have lost interest by the time you get to the end and you stop reading. Because at the very end of this article, they talk about how, about how amb- ambigu- ambiguous, the- ambiguous, thank you, thank you. I was having <laughs> a, a brain fart there for a moment. It's early. How ambiguous, <laughs> how ambiguous the re- results from ground penetrating trading radar is and how you can't you know it 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 can how how the results can only suggest things it can't actually identify anything and that and that it just um they look for markers that will that will uh, uh identify a grave but you know those that that isn't exact either that that it's in fact, it, it's they call them anomalies for a reason because they can't actually identify what what it actually is. Um, and thank you very much, but <laughs> you just you just backed up everything I've been saying for two years.
0: Well, exactly, yeah. And I, you uh, I mean, I'll say it again. I'm actually really proud that we are the first show, and you were the first pundit that actually said. The truth about ground penetrating radar and urge people to be a little bit cautious about everything you're hearing. And yeah, this article waits till the very last couple of paragraphs. And I actually laughed out loud reading it because I mean it goes through the whole thing about how evil it is that you know they're they're searching for all these these bodies and these graves, and here's how they detect them. Oh, but we can't actually detect them. All it talks about is different anomalies in the soil and different depressions, and you know, pinging back from rock formations, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I just said, well, that is everything that you said two years ago, and have repeated, you know, several times in the show when it's been necessary. That, yeah, it's not an exact science. It is simply showing anomalies and you know you would have to dig down in order to uh, to find anything conclusive and it actually in the article it also states that they don't want to do it. They even suggested taking like core samples to look for human DNA and they don't even want to do that. So uh that goes yeah. back to what we talked about last week that they uh I mean I think you summed it up right when you said they just really don't want to be wrong so they don't want to uh I guess they don't want to know
1: yeah well and that's the thing it's (laughs) I've, I've actually seen someone say that you know in Kamloops that those unmarked graves they they appear to be in a bit of a grid and it's like yeah well there was an orchard there and orchard trees are planted in grids um like <laughs> You're not proving anything. Um I I have said this before on the show. I have been on sites, construction sites, where they they used ground penetrating radar looking for for uh for things to avoid during construction. Or uh yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it, but so they would mark out where they found anomalies and then they would dig them up. And not once did we ever find a body. Um, You find, you know, difference in density of the soil. That's an anomaly. That in one spot, the soil can be super dense in the next spot, it can be less dense, comes up as an anomaly uh you got old tree roots that rotted out and there's a void space that's an anomaly um all of these things happen and uh and i think i uh, even um mentioned how i was watching a dateline or a 48 hours where they they were searching this killer's property and they found uh i believe it was at least six different spots on the property where Uh, there was anomalies they dug them all up and they didn't find a single body right like it's this is this is something that is not an exact science it is very um uh rudimentary at best it's it it just shows you difference in the density of the soil that's all it shows you cannot see anything it does not put up a picture of a skeleton on the screen nothing like that it doesn't do anything like that it's and 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 by the way what we're doing right now this discussion that we're having right now what I am saying, right now, this report classifies as violence, yep that's right and, and bigotry and racism and. Not only that, but the report actually calls for legal repercussions for people who are doing what we are doing right this minute.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, in fact, we'll quote the article. She says, urgent consideration should be given to legal mechanisms as a way for Canada to combat residential school denialism. So um, one more question I actually had for you, as you were talking about the ground penetrating radar, would soil composition also show up as an anomaly? Say you're over one patch of clay and then you come over a patch, that's a bit more sandy. Does that create yeah. an anomaly as well?
1: Absolutely. And that's, and that's, you know, a difference in the density of the soil, right? Um, because clay is extremely dense. Um, so yeah, yeah, that would show up as an anomaly as well. Wow. So um,
0: yeah, I did. I love the fact that the the article came to the conclusion that you were right about all of that, and uh, it's it, it it tells me when especially the earlier parts of the the article when they're talking about legal consequences and whatnot that they've lost the narrative, and so now they it's almost like they're like. Kimberly Murray is feeling backed into a corner. So now she just wants to shut down any kind of dissent whatsoever. And of course, what's the best way to do that? You shut up or we'll sue you. And well, I mean, that'll work, except when we're just telling the truth,
1: it's kind of hard to deny that. And I want to, and I just want to make one thing clear nobody on this show has ever denied residential schools. Nobody on this show has ever denied the horrific things that happened at residential schools um nobody has denied that there are even graveyards with unmarked graves but the reason like the i hate that term unmarked grave because that suggests that when these kids or people died that they uh that, that the people running the schools just went out into the into the field dug a hole through the body in, and covered it up and walked away and and that is not what happened. Um, there were deaths yeah mostly from disease Um, there were probably malnourished deaths and abusive deaths as well, I mean i'm not going to say there weren't because there probably was. Um, but the majority of people who died back then died of disease, period. And that was everybody, white, Native, everybody. And the Natives especially because, you know, Europeans brought over diseases that they had immunity to that the First Nations did not. And uh, 90% of First Nations deaths back in that time were from disease. And so when people... So, in the case of, say, Cranbrook, the, they found over 700 unmarked graves. I use quotation marks with that. Because those graves were, because those were actually graves. And, but they were not unmarked. They, they are unmarked right now. And that's because a grass fire went through there and burned all the wooden crosses. And they were marked. <laughs> they they were marked at one time now that grave is that that cemetery is also very well known to everyone in the area because it was a community graveyard it was a graveyard that first nations used white i believe white people used it too um it's it was a community graveyard this is it was not a mis- a mystery it wasn't like some know, mass murder gravesite that nobody knew about. It, it was something everybody knew about, and that the the wooden crosses burned up in a in a grass fire. That's it. They knew it was there. The reason they were marking it out was so that when they built a new fence, they didn't put a fence post through a gravesite.
0: Yeah, and uh, so that makes it kind of funny that so the former chief of the. The, the Kootenai First Nation and Chief Cadmus DeLorme or former Chief DeLorme in Calaisis uh, could under these uh, terms of this article be called deniers themselves because they both said um, no no these are community cemeteries so uh, yeah we, we knew they were there so now now they themselves are
1: also deniers <laughs> yeah well and I believe one of the, the former chief uh, actually stated that his own grandparents were buried in that cemetery. And they knew that it wasn't a mystery because they were part of the funeral. <laughs> you know, like they, yeah. they knew that they were there. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing how, I mean, over the past three years, three and a half years now, um, it, it just, it's shocking just how, you find out just how many people are lying to you every all the time. That's true. Yeah. And the media is probably as bad as the government might be worse because they know they're lying about what the government is lying about. And, and they're doing it because they get money from the government. They're doing it because they get sponsored by certain companies and, uh, and it just, it, it, it blows my mind. It's very, it, it actually, it's very uh, depressing.
0: Yeah, well, on, my, uh, on Twitter, I posted a while back, there was an article from the Toronto Star and I commented just asking if their shoulders hurt from carrying so much water for the Liberals. And uh, because it was the Toronto Star, boy, did I get attacked. That, that was violence. What do you know? I had violence yeah. committed against me.
1: No, so- you did not. <laughs> you committed the violence
0: that's true they were they were defending their their paper yeah (laughs) all right so um let's talk a different kind of violence and that would be there's four by-elections coming up tomorrow the voting day is tomorrow in four different by-elections now it's uh, the only well there was predictions that the current party who represents each of those ridings will likely hold those ridings and most likely that's going to be the case so we'll break them down quickly um but first we'll start in ontario where the uh, by-election in oxford is tomorrow it started out with a bit of controversy because the mp who had stepped down was hoping to to have his daughter nominated to take his place uh, as the mp and Furthering that controversy, there was a pro-life candidate who actually had a lot of support and his nomination was cancelled by Pierre Polyev and the committee from like, I don't remember exactly what the, what the reason was that his nomination was cancelled, but turns out that uh, Arpan Kana won the nomination um, after this, the gentleman was, was kicked out. And Arpan Khanna just happens to be from Brampton which is not actually that close to where the uh, Oxford riding is but Arpan Khanna helped Pierre Polyev on his leadership campaign so it was kind of a little hmm uh, on that one but I'm sure he's going to win the riding because since being created in 1953 the riding of Oxford has only been non-conservative for nine years, and that was the Jean Chrétien years from 93 to 2002. Otherwise, for the last 70 years, Oxford has been conservative. So I feel really confident in saying that Arpan Khanna is going to be the next MP for Oxford.
1: I can agree with that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't uh, I don't know why it was so important to Pierre Polyev that Arpan Khanna become the, uh, the candidate, but I don't actually care at this point. I uh, he's he's going to be a good backbencher, which would have been the case no matter who won. So,
1: yeah, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, which which which, by the way, we've said before on this show. Like, if anybody is expecting Pierre Poliev to be any different than any other politician, you're fooling yourself uh whether he whether he uh actually follows through on promises is a whole other question altogether um if he follows through on 10 percent of those promises Canada will be better off uh but do not do not think that he is any different than than most other politicians and that you know he'll make sure that people who helped him he helps and stuff like that right so Well, exactly, yeah.
0: So so let's move a little bit east there to Montreal, the Notre Dame de Grasse-Westmount by-election. This was Mark Garneau's seat. Now, Mark Garneau retired, said he was leaving politics. He won the last three elections with more than 50% of the vote in each of those elections. The provincial Liberals are very, very strong in Montreal. I see absolutely no way
1: that this seat doesn't stay in the liberal party's hands yeah i don't either i mean it's it's montreal i mean (laughs) don't know what else to say (laughs) you know
0: what that actually does say enough right there yeah you really can just say yep it's montreal (laughs) and that's really enough to say about this one so um sorry i just had a kitten run across my lap um i told mentioned before the show that we're babysitting a a new kitten that was just adopted by our, by by, uh, my wife's daughter. So uh, he may make the odd appearance running across me on the, on the, on the zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry, Canada, distraction aside. I do want to talk about the Winnipeg South center by election a little bit. Now this was Jim Carr's seat. Jim Carr sadly passed away from cancer in December and his son, Ben Carr is actually running for the liberals for this seat. And as are 44 independent candidates. Now, these 44 independents are being backed by what is called the longest ballot committee. I actually had heard of these losers. Uh, I'm sorry. I had actually heard of this committee uh, in a past election. What these these uh, this committee wants to do is they're protesting Justin Trudeau's pronouncement in 2015 that the 2015 would be the last election under the first-past-the-post electoral system. And, well, I mean, Trudeau jettisoned that promise immediately after winning the 2015 election. And uh, it yeah. may have been the very first prom- prom- promise that he violated. So the that's longest... Funny ballot- was,
1: that's funny. I was just going to mention that, that. It was oh. <laughs> probably the first lie he told.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah so this longest ballot committee is in their way of protesting is flooding the zone with as many candidates as possible i'm guessing to try and prove a point that there should be proportional representation so this is just my humble opinion as somebody who's been watching politics for four decades you're going to have 44 candidates who each get about 20 votes and then the candidates that actually take this election seriously will get remaining 95 percent of those votes and i don't see any changes here i'd love to see uh you know a protest vote in winnipeg south center that would bring a conservative into the the ranks but i'm imagining this will still be a hold for the liberals
1: yeah i i think so too um it it, i i think that these kind of protests are kind of pointless um they don't Accomplish anything. In fact, Justin Trudeau is not going to suddenly go. Oh my God! Look at this long list of independents in Winnipeg. We got to do something about this. Let's (laughs) let's get rid of past the post voting. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. He doesn't care. The past the post, like the reason that the biggest reason he didn't get rid of past the post is because past the post is the Liberals number one reason for being in office, Um, like not not just in office, but with, you know, being in power. I mean, you look at it first past the post is the only reason the conservatives are not government the past two elections, because in the past two elections, the conservatives have won the popular vote but they are they they've won far fewer seats than the liberals in both elections and the reason is first past the post now i happen to like first past the post even if it means the conservatives don't win the last two elections i happen to like it because it's easy and it it's clear and concise as to who won a riding Um, and we will, and we at least get majority governments with it, with, with a represent, you know, uh, uh, proportional representation does not result in any majority governments. They're all minority governments. And as long as we have minority governments in this country, it will always be a liberal NDP coalition every single time the conservatives will never have power again never because it means having over 50 percent of the vote and i don't i think the last time a government had over 50 percent of the vote was uh was mulrooney first first term for mulrooney was the last time that a government received over 50 percent of the vote and before that it was decades like I, I don't even remember the last time before that one
0: no the same and uh, yeah i was going to bring that up that brian mulroney is the only prime minister to win and it was 50.2 percent of the popular vote like he just yeah. barely got 50 percent of the vote and then, of course you know, 75% or, or so of the seats in parliament because of the, the system that it is. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't want a proportional representation system, A, because it would end up being a, a left-wing government continually, but B, because, well, look at Italy. Um, yeah. They just finally in 2022 got tired of all these pizza parliaments and gave Georgia Maloney a pretty strong mandate. But even
1: still, she still doesn't have a majority no she had to form a coalition yeah like it's it's because i think there's something like over 30 political parties
0: yeah it's something ridiculous yeah
1: Yeah, it's it's outrageous and the reason for that is because it's proportional representation they had they used to have elections like every six months in italy because the governments kept falling they kept falling with non-confidence they they kept you know the, the, if you've ever been to Italy, Italy has one of the worst infrastructures I've ever seen, and it's all because every few weeks another union goes on strike, and it, and it's it's and I'm not exaggerating. Like well, the last time I was in Italy, um, I had to get out of the country because the Italian because the train system was going on strike. Like it's every, every few weeks, there's another union going on strike in Italy and it's just part of their daily lives. And it's, and, and that is because of how fractured the governments are. Wow. It, it's chaos, right? And Italy was chaos for, I don't know how long it was chaos, but it was chaos. And because of the political, like chaos in the political realm, Right um and I don't want that in Canada I mean it's bad enough I mean look at look at Trudeau and and Jagmeet their their little bromance I mean it's the Canada is in a bit of chaos because of it right we're going down a road that that is painfully obvious that it's a road we shouldn't be going down it's painfully obvious but we're heading down that road and and if we had proportional representation we would already be at that finish line that they're trying to get us to we'd already be there if we had proportional representation and and we'll never ever have a conservative government again never yep
0: absolutely right so um let's uh, wrap this segment up with the only by-election that's actually worth watching right now and that is portage lesgar now before we even begin i'm gonna have to be careful with my analysis of it um i can be somewhat objective but i'm just gonna have to disclose that yes i am a ppc member and i do want to see maxine bernier succeed so uh i will have a little bit of bias in my discussions but i honestly don't see max winning this seat now the media, of course, and polling, and I don't I don't ever put a lot of stake in polls. Polling does show a pretty strong conservative win in this by-election. All along, it has been a showdown between the conservatives and the PPC. The other parties are not even a factor. But the pundits in Manitoba will tell you it's a toss-up. And actually, Richard Kluche, who's with CJOB in Winnipeg, uh, an AM radio station, their talk radio, has said that Maxime could win this by-election east and and i can i can see how it's a very rural riding they are uh, there's a lot of social conservatives and a lot of firearms owners in that that riding and maxime bernier has very strongly been appealing to those groups and i actually was dancing with joy when maxime had his news conference on i want to say it was thursday when he announced uh sort of castle doctrine for canada that people should be allowed to defend themselves without being charged and that gave me a happy dance and i think that's actually going to win him some support and i don't know a lot about brandon leslie the conservative candidate other than that he was candace bergen's campaign manager so i don't know if he just feels that it's his turn that he should have that seat now but uh this one's going right down to the wire canada I'm I'm excited for this one.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm excited to see the results of this one as well. I I like we said in the last show, um, if 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 Maxine Bernier wins this by election, it changes nothing. Uh, what it does is it gets Max back into the House of Commons, which is a good place for Max to be uh, to get you know his ideas out there. Um, the, the thing is, is that this changes nothing. That's that's the bad part for Max, is that this actually does change nothing. Uh, the, the Liberals will still be in power, the Conservatives will still be the official opposition, nothing will change. Um, but what it will do is it will help give the PPC some legitimacy, um, which, I think you and I can both agree. I mean, obviously, you do agree because you're a member. Um, that giving the PPC some legitimacy is is good. Um, I think it's good. I mean, I know I have said on this show before that I don't that I don't want. I will not vote PPC this time around. Um, and the reason I won't vote PPC this time around is because I need to vote Conservative because Pierre Poiliev is the only uh leader right now who has any chance of taking uh uh, justin trudeau out and we and then this country desperately needs justin trudeau out um we need justin trudeau out more than we need max bernier in and so that's why i won't be voting for him but Having said that, and I've also said this on the show before, and that is that if Pierre poliev wins the next general election, does not follow through on his promises for firearms owners and for, uh, you know, taxes and for protecting our children from all of this trans BS, um, then and if he doesn't follow through on those promises, then I'm sorry, he's not going to get my vote the next time. And uh, and the PPC likely will. Now, again, I let's not let's not believe that Max is a is is a different politician either. I mean, he's different in that uh, he's actually you know, standing up for the things that I believe in, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm so glad that that he actually brought up a, the, the castle doctrine um, that the U.S. has that I wish we would have. Um, uh, but let's not pretend that, that he's not a politician either, okay? He is very much a politician. And we saw that in this by-election where the first thing that he said when he came on our show was that he... He was anti-abortion well that was the first time you or i had ever heard him say that so i don't want anyone to think that he's not a politician and that you know they're they're going to vote for him because he's not a politician he's a politician and that bringing up abortion as the very first thing that he mentioned It was obviously plain to the social conservative values of that riding. Absolutely. Right? And so that's one thing that I have to say I was a little disappointed in because it was something we'd never heard him say before. Um, And I'm not saying that I'm disappointed in him being uh, pro-life because I am pro-life. It just... It just um, seemed very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just it just seemed very opportunistic to bring it up at that moment. So that's that's, yeah. that's politicians, right? That's politicians for you. That's politics for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that you're you're right to point that out. I mean, uh, definitely opportunistic. Definitely a politician. And then he. Uh, when he was on with Andrew Lawton talking about that abortion issue, he wouldn't actually say if he was pro-life or pro-choice, he just said that this is an issue that needs to be discussed. And I agree with that. I do uh, too. I I understand him not wanting to take a stand, whether he's pro-life or pro-choice, which just tells me that maybe he's neither, but, but regardless, I mean, I'm glad the issue is getting discussed. I, um, but like you, I was actually shocked when that was the first thing that, That that he came up with in our interview, I was like, "Well, never heard that one before." But
1: yeah, but I do agree with him, right? I mean, it's not like I agree that it's something that does need to have a law in Canada because right now in Canada we do not have a law on the books surrounding abortion; we don't have one. I mean, we're we're one of the only countries in the world that does not have a law addressing abortion. So in Canada, it is perfectly legal to abort a baby right up until the point of birth. Like, it's perfectly legal in Canada. People don't know that. Because we don't have a law for abortion. Because if you talk about having a law for abortion, then you're a a bigoted, you know, misogynistic uh, trumper. Or pro-lifer you know like like they'll throw every name of the book in the book at you if you even talk about wanting to have a discussion about it now when i say i'm pro-life i am pro-life in my own life my wife and i from the very beginning said that if 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 we uh you know if we found out like we didn't even want to have the tests when she was pregnant to find out if there was any um you know a uh, Impossibility of Down syndrome, or, or, uh, or de- birth defects, or anything like that, because we said, no matter what, we're having this baby, and no matter what, and so we, and, and we, and we said, you know, too, that you know, if we if we did get, you know, pregnant accidentally after we had already had the two kids that we wanted to have, we would have that baby because in our own personal lives we are pro-life but in I, i do understand that there is a you know a need to have some kind of provision for abortion for um uh certain situations um and but but there but there does need to be a limit and I mean, right now in Canada, most doctors will not perform an abortion after 13 weeks. That's kind of like the line in the sand that the doctors themselves have drawn. I like, I like that the doctors have actually said, you know, we're not going to do this beyond 13 weeks, right? Um, I, I like that they've taken a stance of their own. Um, I'd like to see that number lower. Like... 10 weeks or less. Um, I think that the six weeks that Texas has is a little bit on the low side. Most women don't even know they're pregnant at that point. Um, but uh, but we, we do, you know, it, it's like, it's like Bill Burr said in his last comedy special, you know, who am I to say, what someone else does with their body, right? But I do believe you're killing a baby. Right? And uh and if you haven't seen Bill Burr's special on this, go and wa- go to Netflix and watch Bill Burr's Red Rock special because it's one of the final bits in the in the uh in the show and he and I, and I love it because he compares it to baking a cake. And he says, you know, the, the, he says, yeah, I hear you. You're going to say, oh, you know, um, you, uh, it's not a baby yet. Yeah, but it could be, or it would be if you didn't do what you did. Right. And it's like, Baking a cake. If I'm put, you know, mix up the batter. I put it in a cake pan. I stick it in the oven at 350, and then five minutes later, you walk into my house. You take, you open up the oven. You take the cake pan out of the out of the oven, and you huck it across the room. Well, you just messed up my cake, and you're gonna say, "Oh, well, it wasn't a cake yet." (laughs) Yeah, but it would have been if you hadn't done what you did, right? So. Like, and I've said this to people before. No matter how you look at it, you're snuffing out a life. You're 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 killing a baby, right? So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, we need to have a law in Canada about it. It's just such a toxic uh, topic to bring up and talk about, right? So, um, so yeah, I was a little surprised that Max brought that up, but he's appealing to. A certain demographic and uh and it's you know make of it what you will but i just you know chalk it up to him being a politician
0: well i think you're right and i think that his castle doctrine is is on the same vein as that i mean that's also something that he never talked about with us and we've interviewed him three times and that has never come up in any of our interviews either so yeah so for sure he's uh, definitely appealing to a crowd and i have uh, I follow him on Twitter and on all the social medias. He's, he's definitely got support. I mean, he's running radio ads. He had uh, a tractor trailer of full of loaded with bales of like bales of hay with big, huge banners, the whole 53 feet of the trailer. And that was all was driving around the riding. And he's got people from all across the country who have come to Manitoba to go knock on doors with him and such. So he's definitely got support. So I, uh, and I I did hear him say last week that even if he didn't win this by election, he would be back in that riding in the general election. So I so maybe he's done some internal polling as well. But I uh, I look at it as even if Max has say thirty percent of the voter support and doesn't win, um, you know it would be like the Rachel Notley thing. That's still going to be a win for Max because it will show that uh, that yeah
1: they're still relevant. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree
0: 100%. Yeah. So, I uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go with a toss up. I, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that Max will win, but I mean, obviously,
1: you know, you know my stance on Max. I certainly want him to. So, yeah, I, I think the conservatives will win this, but I think Max is going to show up. I mean, I, I think it's, I think that uh, you're going to actually. I think I think he's gonna legitimize the party in this in this by-election. Uh, that's actually a good way to say it, yeah. So uh,
0: uh here's Kitten. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got two more topics to, to pound down here. Let's uh talk about our good friends Justin Trudeau and Marco Mendicino. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. serial liar Marco Mendocino. We have to. Uh unfortunately, because <laughs> both of these clowns said. Oh, well, uh, Paul Bernardo, well, I, I heard about it on the news. B.S. to both of you, and thank God the media actually did their job and dug up and found out, no, 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 Trudeau, um, your office was actually briefed about this in March. And remember, Katie Telford, quote, nothing is kept from the prime minister. And then turns out, oh, so was Marco Mendicino's office notified months ago. And, oh, no, no, the staffer didn't tell me, B.S., you guys knew that Paul Martin was getting, Paul Martin, oops, that's a (laughs) slip of a tongue, that Paul Bernardo was getting transferred out of the maximum security into a medium security prison. So, don't even, both of you.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm getting tired of this dog and pony show of these two lying all the time. I mean, and getting caught, and now the media is actually calling them out every time they lie, and yet nothing ever happens to them. Like like the fact that Paul Bernardo is, is being or was I can't remember I can't remember if he already has been or not, but trans, getting transferred to a medium security prison, In this America. guy should never leave a Supermax. I mean, this guy is one of the worst people in Canadian history. Uh, the fact that his his ex-wife uh, escaped the the, the the punishment that he received is the biggest crime. Because, I mean, we found out after they got their plea deal, oh, look, there's we found some videotapes and the videotapes proved that she was as much as a part of this as he was in fact might even have been the brain the brainchild of it all you know like she was the one that came up with the plan uh to murder her own sister and uh her sister's friend i mean she is the fact that she's walking free is the biggest crime of all uh the 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 fact that he Uh, Is getting transferred to a medium security prison is the next biggest crime. Um, And I don't understand, you know, I I really don't understand what the liberal end game is. I mean, I don't know if they're purposefully trying to destroy the country. and I'm saying this in all seriousness, because I really don't understand if if this is on purpose or not, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, like like Rod Giltaka has always said, you know, these are bad people. And, and I agree, they are bad people, but like the politicians, they're bad people. But but what I don't understand is why, why would you want to destroy the country? Like, I don't understand what, what they get in the end for destroying the country, because... This is, having Paul Bernardo transferred to a medium security prison, that is a crime. I'm sorry, that is a crime in itself. Um, but I mean, it goes hand in hand with everything that's happening in our country right now. And I just don't understand what, why, I, why? Why would you not stop this from happening? Why would you be briefed about it and just shrug your shoulders? You know, I don't understand.
0: Yeah, it's like they uh, just assume they're not going to get caught. So I don't know if it's arrogance or if it's just, you know, complete uh, lack of concern. Like it's uh, that they just kind of shrug it off. Like you said,
1: oh, well, well, whatever. But why? But why not stop it? Why allow it to happen? You know, why? I, that's the part I don't understand is why. Yeah, that's, that's actually a, an excellent question. So uh, let's leave that one right
0: there and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up on talking about Volkswagen. Now, this actually exceeds even my wildest expectations. We had talked about before, it could have been between 10 and $15 billion that Volkswagen was getting and then we heard it was 13 billion well now the government said no no hold my beer it's going to be 16 billion dollars now because well a the US would have offered them 10 billion dollars US so we bumped it to 13 billion to help compensate for the exchange rate and Volkswagen said yeah you know what that's not good enough because the US when they hand out subsidies bribes i mean subsidies they uh, they don't charge taxes on those subsidies, and you guys in Canada do. So, ever the pandering politician, Christian Freeland, or I guess it would have been Francois-Philippe Champagne, said, okay, you know what, we're going to throw in an extra few dollars to compensate for what you would have had to have paid in taxes. So now Volkswagen is now getting, I hope you're sitting down, Bill, um, $16 billion. Canadian taxpayer dollars to set up that EV battery plant. Is there any wonder why Stellantis is just waiting in the sidelines, seeing how much money they can get? This is beyond ridiculous. $16 billion. Volkswagen is going to have a free ride for probably the entire life of that plant at this
1: rate. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, it's, it's, uh, speaking of crimes, (laughs) Because that's what this is. I mean, since when is corporate welfare anything but a crime? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, this is this is crazy. I mean, because corporate that you know Volkswagen doesn't need money. Volkswagen is the largest auto manufacturer on the face of the earth. They do not need our money, but. Governments are throwing money at them to have them set up shop in their country. And it sucks because Canada has to play that game or else we'll never get any of these companies building plants in our country. And it really sucks because we shouldn't be doing it. And I, I, <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I'm change direction here. What's really funny is 20, 30 years ago, the people on the left, the liberals, they were the ones who were saying corporate welfare is bad. And now it's them that are saying it's good, but only if it's for the companies they agree with. Right. Like it's not good for oil companies, but it's good for Volkswagen building a battery plant. Right. It's like because it, it, it falls in line with their agenda. It, 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 it it carries on their narrative of EVs are good, gas powered cars are bad. Well, all you're doing by doing that is freeing up money for Volkswagen to build more more gas powered cars, um, but you're also you know what, what happens is like these minerals, the metals and minerals and the, the materials needed to build all these EVs and all these batteries. They don't just appear out of thin air they they get dug out of the ground in giant open pit mines, uh, and there's no electric powered, you know, mining equipment that's that's doing this it's all diesel. And so, I mean, it, you're not solving anything, um, but corporate welfare is good for EVs, bad for oil, good for EVs. And it's now the people on the right who are the ones saying corporate welfare is bad and now, I've been saying corporate welfare is bad forever. I, I, it's one thing I, I found myself in agreement with people on the left 25 years ago. Um, corporate welfare is bad. We shouldn't be doing we shouldn't have corporate welfare. Uh, because if you get rid of corporate welfare, you can get rid of some taxes. <laughs> and so those companies that are receiving the corporate welfare, have to charge a little bit more for their product because they're not getting they're not getting the uh the tax dollar bribes from the government but you'll be able to afford it too because you will have these you'll be paying less tax and so you know this is what happens with corporate welfare is what when it gets out of hand and out of control you end up with you know enormous swaths of land like in the U.S. growing corn not corn for us to eat but corn for us to make ethanol with that gets put into gasoline which actually makes your uh, fuel mileage worse and it's not good for your engine which is why premium gas does not have ethanol in it at all and so but because, it's, because of corporate welfare, all these cornfields in the States are growing corn and they won't grow anything else because they get all this money from the government to grow this corn. And that's what happens with corporate welfare. And corporate welfare just encourages things to happen that maybe shouldn't be happening, like a company bringing... An EV plant to the to our country when in in in, when it really shouldn't be getting tax dollars in the first place, right? But but watch, they'll come up with a new technology down the road that's going to be better than EVs. But they're going to continue building EV batteries in Canada because they're getting this subsidy to build EV batteries in Canada and. But we'll have some new technology that's way better, way cleaner, that will actually make a difference. And but they're going to continue building EV batteries because they're getting paid to. And that's just what happens with corporate welfare.
0: Yeah, that that's actually a really good point. And uh, yeah, and if I was the guys who run Stellantis, I I would do exactly what they're doing right now.
1: Oh yeah, and
0: they've got barely any construction going on, and they're just waiting. Um, you know, let's just wait and see exactly how high the tab goes for Volkswagen, and then we'll just ask for that.
1: Yeah, and we're not going to start of, up until we get their deal. No, exactly. And for those of you who don't know who Stellantis is, is Stellantis owns Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, Fiat. Um, you know, they're 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 a huge conglomerate of auto manufacturers. Um, they're one of the biggest so yeah this isn't like some startup that's waiting for some corporate money being handed out or some corporate welfare money being handed out no this is this is one of the biggest manufacturers in the world that's standing by and just waiting to see what volkswagen's final final tally is so that they can ask for the same thing or more Yep, exactly
0: so um We're going to wrap it up on that one, Canada. Uh, We do thank you for joining us and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yeah, and
1: you can tell who the dads are because they have um, male genitalia. (laughs) It's sad that we have to point that out, but yes, that is
0: true. (laughs) All right, Canada. Until next week, it
1: is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.